0: Welcome back. Fifth edition. Bowling ain't a hobby. Fifth week. Let's get it. Once again, make sure you guys follow us on Twitter. Ain't a hobby. We got some top-notch memes, top-notch highlights. So make sure to follow us and make sure to subscribe to this podcast. We're going to be dropping more stuff on YouTube. So be on the lookout for that and check us out there. And yeah, so it's gonna be a chiller podcast. We're gonna go over some of the fallouts of everything that's happened since the trade around the NBA. People coming back, moves around the the top players, and some players moving back into the t- into the contention. First things first, guys. To piggyback off of last week, how about the Nets beating the Bucks yesterday? How legit was that? I mean, you, do you guys think that was legit, or was it nothing at all, just another game?
1: I think it was a great showing to start out James Harden's tenure in Brooklyn. Obviously, we saw him put up numbers to start out the season with Houston, but you could definitely say that those numbers were a little bit misleading in terms of they weren't affecting the wins or losses. He was doing what he needed to do, and it was definitely just to sell himself as a valuable player. But when he went to Brooklyn in his first two games, he's played nothing but winning basketball. He's working the ball around. He's not playing selfish. He's not demanding that the Nets appeal to him. He's appealing to the Nets, and if, if you're a Nets fan, this is definitely a good impression for the first two games. Brandon, what, what would you take from these two games?
2: So, yeah, what I thought was actually pretty interesting watching this game was the matchups. So we didn't really see KD on Giannis or Giannis on KD, and I think come playoff time, that's the matchup that both teams are going to have to rely on. We've seen DJ on Giannis a lot, and I mean, he's just a one-man wall you can kind of put on Giannis, but if you're really trying to shut Giannis down, that's not going to work. And we've seen Middleton on KD a lot, and I mean, mean, Middleton's a solid defender, but like, KD was doing what he wants to do. Drew's a pretty good defender, and Harden was kind of doing what he wants to do. Those two are theoretically good defenders, but we've seen, like, these guys... Could still kind of get their shots I think it's really going to come down to the Giannis KD matchup which is we'll have to see if Boonhoser actually wants to keep Giannis on KD for a whole game we'll have to see if KD is actually on Giannis for a whole game but I think that's a matchup that we're gonna to have to look for in the playoffs
0: well I think yesterday one of the biggest things that they wanted to do was see if Giannis could beat him with a three-point I mean how many times I think I counted five plus times where they just let him wide open on the three, no closeout, nothing. Sure, he made a couple, but you know, just having that in his head and pretty much baiting him into driving and clogging up the rim with DeAndre being on him. That's just something that if they feel confident that they can do that and still win a game, especially in the half court, that could play into the playoffs if they once they meet each other, which I think a lot of people can agree this this might be the preview of the Eastern Conference Finals what we saw yesterday and if it is it's it's going to be a fun Eastern Conference Finals cuz that game was i mean the margin of the margin was plus 6 points the whole game i don't think it got
2: but that's without to double Kyrie. Digits.
0: yeah and that's without Kyrie exactly so i mean it's i mean i think realistically it could be just as good even with Kyrie sure you're adding another all-star to the team but the Bucks—they have good defense, so they're just going to stick in the games. I don't see them really getting blown out necessarily. But I yeah. mean, it's funny enough. One of the announcers yesterday was like, "Oh, Giannis is going to be on KD. Giannis is going to be on KD." Pretty much, you know, that's the prime premier matchup. Might have been Chris Webber that said it. Typical Chris Webber. And that's really shout not going to necessarily. Yeah, shout out C webb but that's not necessarily going to come to fruition because you don't want Giannis to get tired out. Middleton's uh good enough defender to hold his own on KD if he needs to. And we'll see. Once once they get Kyrie, is Drew going to be on Kyrie? Are they going to have to do Middleton on, on Harden? And then are they going to have to do Giannis on Durant? That's something that's another aspect that they have to do because they don't have to worry about that third guy in Kyrie.
1: Yeah, I think to tackle that one, I would agree that since it was a regular season matchup, I would say it was in the Bucks' best interest to not show all their cards and I think like we, like you said, like Brandon said, the ideal matchup is going to be Giannis on KD, and that's the true test. If, if Giannis, who's almost like a carbon copy clone in terms of the body type of someone like Kevin Durant, probably a little bit stronger, he's the best facile person to try to guard a Kevin Durant. So that's going to be the matchup. That's going to be the heavyweight fight. And in terms of Kyrie and Harden, I just feel like they're so good offensively that no matter what, they're going to be hard to guard, but they still have to guard on the other end. So it, it's definitely going to be the premier matchup in the Eastern Conference. I think there's no question about it. Yeah, and
0: so something also that I noticed, the Nets kind of played really well against it. Something they kept running was they would do a drive, and then Giannis would do a cut behind the drive. Essentially giving him that space in between the, the person that's driving to the basket and him to either clean up the glass, or uh, if they if they bring the help defense, he has an open basket because he's following on a clear lane. Cause obviously if you're driving, that's a clear lane that you're going through. So, and then the Nets being able to play back with Deandre and playing a little bit big and letting Giannis control the perimeter and giving him space on the perimeter. I think that was a tactic that they want. The Nets wanted to see how it worked and it might've actually worked in their favor, but that's something that since it's a regular season game, it's an early game. They have to w- try out things and see how they work. I think I think Kenny might have been saying that actually on the TNT show before, that this is kind of a feeler game for for both teams of seeing, like, what's going to work, what's not going to work, you know? So that way, it's like muscle memory. You don't have to think about it. The coach would be like, do this play in in crunch time in the playoffs, and they can incorporate that.
2: So you guys think they're going to keep DeAndre, though? You think DeAndre is, like, going to be their guy going forward? Do you think they're going to look towards getting another guy? Because, I mean – He's really, like, you could tell how different they play with him on the floor versus, like, when they go small with, like, Jeff Green at the five. Like, when Jeff Green's at the five, Harden's back at home in Houston, but with D- DJ on the floor, it's like he's kind of clogging the lane, and he's just there kind of screening for, you know, Harris and KD to get open, which is fine. You need someone to do the dirty work, and DJ is clearly going to do that. I just don't know, like, if there's going to be a better option come down the road somewhere.
1: He just allows... One bad defender on the opposing team to always have someone to hide on. So I think if the Nets are serious about winning a championship, they have to find a way to upgrade at that position. Or, like you said, just transition into Jeff Green at center as a death lineup, similar to the Warriors, where Draymond wouldn't start at the five, but when they got serious and they wanted to win games, they knew that Draymond at the five, spacing the floor, running everything, was the best way to go. And if you have Jeff Green at your five, you automatically have three ball handlers that can take and run every possession off a rebound in Harden, KD, and Kyrie. So, I just think they're they're playing with one hand tied behind their back if they think their best lineup is with DJ. So, I I firmly agree that they have to upgrade at that position if they want to win the championship.
2: So, I think Spencer Dinwiddie though. I think he's a wild card. Do they trade him, you know, and get someone like Al Horford or something else, you know? feel like
0: they don't really have to trade and it's kind of going to be tough to trade cuz they're already messing around with their roster so much trying to incorporate this trade and so
2: i think Dinwiddie and,
0: i mean i get that but the thing for me is honestly deandre jordan's their best screen setter you know jeff green isn't going to give you those hard screens he's not going to give, i mean jeff green's not going to give you those hard screens and jeff and deandre jordan's just great on that pick and roll how many lobs already as James Harden had to him.
2: I don't know if he's that great of a rolling threat, though. Like, you know, like he's not like he, he's not the same guy. I feel like his he's the same His his value is just screening to get Harden an open shot, who doesn't really need his open shot. I think his screening is more like off ball, where he's gonna get Joe Harris and KD open shots. Like, I think that's really his role and like his value. But like, like Joe said, like he doesn't space the floor at all, and like you could tell, like. It definitely clogs the lane a little bit. And like Harden's taking a lot more mid range jumpers in the Nets these two games than he has like the last few years at the Rockets. So, like, it, like, in the with Jeff Green, like they space the floor and he's pretty much back to where he was. But like you said, he, he does the dirty work, which it's not like every big vital. man. vital. As we've seen from John Collins, you know, not every big man is down to do the dirty work and without scoring 15, 20 points a game.
1: Yeah, every team needs a DeAndre Jordan. So I don't think he should totally fall out of the rotation. But the problem with saying that your best skill is setting screens is that when you have Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving, you don't even need a screen. So it's like while it definitely helps out the flow of the offense and helps them definitely get into the plays and the sets that they want to run, if you can have someone who sets really good screens or someone who spaces the floor and doesn't allow anyone on the other team to hide – I think that's going to add more value in terms of winning a championship. So there's pros it just and cons comes down about. to
2: the alternative. There's definitely pros and cons. It just comes down to the alternative. Like, what are the other options? Like, that's the thing. Is like, what other, you know, buyout centers are really going to be better than what DJ's bringing to the table? What other trade assets? Like, like you don't really have much to trade besides Dinwiddie. But like, what other? Like Al Horford's really the only center I can see that's on the market besides maybe LA. But I don't know if LA really does like what they need. I don't know. Like there's not many options. So DJ might just end up being their best option at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, obviously you stagger them. I'm not necessarily saying play DJ 30 plus minutes a game,
2: no. but
0: I mean, that's something that you that's, need to do. That's
2: what he has though. Yeah. But that is regular
0: season. season. He's, he's not going to, he's not going to play 30 True. plus minutes a game on, on in the postseason. but I mean, it's already something that they're, they're rebounding. I mean, they're not going to be a, a dominant rebounding team. They're in the bottom 10 half of the of the league. But you can't just take a complete L on rebounding, you know? Like offensive rebound does play a point, in, especially in the late in the game, in, in tough possessions. Not necessarily the, the last five minutes of the game, but that late third quarter or early fourth quarter where momentum swings really quickly in those times. So I think it's not necessarily like one of their biggest problems. I think one of their biggest problems is trying to get someone – to get more into like a perimeter defense. Because sure, they're good. You don't want to ISO in the playoffs as well. Obviously, they can do ISO games all day with KD, Kyrie, or James Harden could all ISO all day. But that's when your offense becomes stagnant when there's no screens, there's no ball movement, you know, getting Joe Harris more open shots, getting KD open shots. So that's not something that you want to necessarily anticipate going into the playoffs. So I think DJ. And that's that's not a problem that I I really think is is at the top of their list for the Nets.
2: I don't know. Looking at watching that game yesterday, like Harden and KD did not really have problems getting their shots, no matter if Drew or Milton was on them. Like like Middleton and and Drew are pretty good defenders, but like they're not going to stop KD and Harden. And then when you throw Kyrie in the mix, like they're just going to be too overwhelming. And that's like the best defensive team that they're probably going to have to face in the playoffs, like unless. The Sixers could maybe put something together, but I Probably think their like offense this. is pretty overwhelming. Like I think their week is. I mean, it's gonna be. We're gonna have to see how Kyrie, you know, comes in and is he willing to be a you know borderline twenty point per game scorer and like just being that like more of a just a shooting threat than actually you know shooting the ball. Like, is he gonna be cool with that? You know, how is his chemistry? I think that's gonna be a pretty big deal. But if they can like actually work it out, like I think the offense is gonna be fine. Edging a- the big man situation, I think is going to be their biggest problem. I mean, unless Jeff Green could, I just don't know if you could ju- trust Jeff Green in the playoffs as your five.
0: It would be a first. It's just like the the the, the trade off you're getting defensively, and you're losing so much defensively by putting Jeff Green instead of DeAndre. Is it really worth getting a little bit extra on the offensive end when you have three playmakers that are going to get you great shots that can create their own shots? You got Joe Harris that's going to make wide open threes. Like for me, the trade off is just not there. I'd rather have someone that could you know, stop the defense. The biggest thing yesterday, it, sure, it was the Nets getting their own offense and th- that the Bucs couldn't necessarily stop Harden and, and Durant, but they were also getting stops. The, um, Giannis wasn't doing much in the crunch time in the last five minutes. It was all Middleton. Middleton, I'm pretty sure, got most of the buckets in the last couple of minutes. And that was the difference was that defense of being able to force Middleton to beat him and not have Giannis running to the rim and drew i mean essentially went awol and we had no idea where he went but that's something that they have to do is they have to get the defensive stops more than getting the offensive buckets to become that championship level team
2: i think they're just i think they're focused on offense so they're just worried about outscoring their team and doing what they can do well you know like yeah but thing, i mean like who's gonna outscore this team in a seven game series
1: and I would also just say DJ would be a favorable matchup in the Bucks series because the Bucks are willing to play a center like Brook Lopez, who is not really going to do as much as someone like Bam Adebayo. Or I'm trying to think of other centers where, like, I feel like Bam Adebayo and Joel Embiid would play a lot better than Brook Lopez against DeAndre Jordan, whereas he looked like he was a good defender last night. I still don't think he's as effective as you would want at that position when you're going against the best centers in the league. So it's – it's tough because DJ still provides a lot, but I I don't want to overvalue what he does because at the end of the day, he's pretty close to a replacement level center than he is to like a uh, center you want to start on like the top 10 to 15 teams in the league, in my opinion at least.
0: Yeah, yeah de- yeah definitely, definitely. But the thing is, I mean, if you're thinking thinking about replacing him with something else, who else are you going to replace him with that's that much better it, besides just going small? Yeah. But if you that's go small, problem. if you go going if you're going small, who's in the, you're putting Jeff Green on Embiid, you're putting Jeff Green on Jokic, you're putting, you know, Jeff Green on Anthony Davis. Like that's just that's a mismatch and a half. It's just as much of a mismatch as it is putting DeAndre on there. So I mean, that is a, that is a problem, but it's just like how can they fix it? There's not much there to fix it.
1: It's it's a more wait and see on the bio market cuz there's going to be some players. Right now it's it's way too early to see the bio market. I feel like there's I mean, Javel McGee is the first one that comes to mind. Obviously, he's not I don't, I don't know how much better he is than DeAndre Jordan. It's really up for debate. I, I would just say personally, I think if you could either pick up JaVale McGee on the buyout market or stick with DJ, I would say JaVale's probably better. He's got more youth. He just is, He's just going to affect the game like that 5 to 10% more than DeAndre would, in my opinion.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. He's just athletic, got more juice in his legs than DJ does at this point. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it looks like the Cavs might still be players into into the Nets even after this trade. Possibly. Because <laughs> that Cav situation, I mean, Kevin Porter, they're going to either have to trade him or release him. They're probably going to try to trade him, but they're not going to trade him in just an asset by himself. So they're probably going to try to package with Drummond because he's on an expiring contract or just sell high on JaVale because JaVale's having a pretty good season. So, I mean, that's something that's an interesting situation, like you said, that we'll see how it plans out or plays out. Cause yeah, the bio market. I I'm totally with you guys. They should be looking to add someone in that uh, in that front court. But I just don't see it as something where you need to make an investment into it,
1: or even a trade.
0: That that's the that's, rush. They're... Or a trade. It's just like it's you don't need you don't need to make an investment into it. Like it's
1: just don't give up too you much. Mean, you?
2: I I don't know. I think I mean this team is clearly going for it all this year.
1: I think it would so be like. It would be a bust if they didn't win the championship. And um I don't know. Do you guys agree? Do you think it's a championship or bust season?
2: I mean, I don't think it'd be a bust, but it's pretty like pretty close like to if it. If
1: they lose to the Lakers, they're gonna get a lot of, they're a lot they gotta, of
2: hate. They're gonna get a lot of hate. They gotta be they gotta like take they gotta be competitive. They can't just go out on a whimper for sure. And that's why I think like just having Dinwiddie just be on your bench as like a just a useless asset, like you might as well trade him and get something that could literally help your team this year if you're really going for it which it seems like they are. So why would you not do that?
1: Yeah. I guess the
2: thing is who takes Dinwiddie
1: and into Dinwiddie? That's the problem. How much value does he really have? Spencer Dinwiddie has a partially torn ACL, and the recovery time on that is like three to six months. So it's not necessarily an asset that teams are going to be clamoring to trade for. So while he's a good player. I just,
2: I mean, I think Spencer Dinwiddie for Al Horford makes a lot of sense.
1: As long as you're attaching some picks, because you know that's what Sam Presti wants. You,
2: they, they have no picks. They literally have no picks. That's not happening. Then
1: I don't know that Sam Presti does it, because then he's just helping and out. And the salary cap might not let even happen. Horford's owning a lot of
0: money, and he's got a fat contract. Like, yeah, Horford's I'm getting paid. I'm pretty sure Dinwiddie's not paying. They're not paying. Dinwiddie's on a bargain yeah, contract. I don't, know. I don't know if it would make sense. I think their best bet is going with uh with like the Cavs but then like why would they not include Drummond in the initial trade? So that's like where it gets murky. There's just like the market's just kind of weird right now. It, like who is really out there that will be a s- substantial upgrade and it's worth that investment because you're going to have to be like a, I mean a package just to make the money work. So I mean I, I realistically overall they're looking good and it's promising. They're looking like the top in the East right now. It's going to be interesting tomorrow.
2: So, or do you, do you trade Joe Harris? Do you trade Joe Harris for no? The,
1: definitely not. I, w- I would say hard no negative to that one. Yeah, yeah. So that's. I think they're in a good
0: position. I mean, th- at this point, it's just getting nitpicky because yeah, you're going to have to face against some of the top centers to get to the championship, and you know, go against Embiid, go against. Probably not Jokic because he's in the West, but at least Anthony Davis. Adebayo. But Adebayo. I mean, Adebayo. who knows?
1: The Heat it to the Or, or and Bam, they're
0: going to go through <laughs> Bam on the East. Yeah, yeah. Bam obviously elite at this point too. But that's getting a little nitpicky. Overall, they they look good. James Harden looks like he's good with it at times, taking a secondary role. In the first half yesterday, he had one less one less assist than he did shot attempts, which that's really promising as as someone as a a lot of the haters were saying you know high usage guy even I was saying high usage guy but just because you're a high usage guy doesn't mean you can you can bring that usage down when you really need to and I mean I know Brandon was really really harping on the fact that he's a player that'll be able to transition it well and he's made it work in the past when in his initial years in OKC but uh, is this better than you expected Brandon or is it like right there pretty much what you expected
2: I mean, this is what I hoped, and uh, (laughs) he's given me what I, you know, hoped would happen. It's hard to expect (laughs) so better than what you expected. I mean, it was it was it was hard to expect anything from Harden. What he's given us this year, but this is what I was hoping to expect based on. What we've seen from him this year, he would see. Like I said, he knew what he was getting himself into. Brooklyn was his number one choice. He wouldn't do that and think like I'm gonna be the guy. Like he knows what he's getting himself into, and like it, like he has the skill set to do it. He he's a great ball handler. He could easily lead the league in assists this year. Like that wouldn't even be crazy. He's gonna get like four or five assists a game just from just throwing it to KD and just KD hitting a shot over someone's head. But, like he's he's gonna be, I think, the primary ball handler. It's like, again, it comes back to Kyrie. Like, is Kyrie going to be cool with not being the primary ball hander? Is like, what's Kyrie going to do when he doesn't have the ball? Is he cool, you know, just, is he just going to stand there or is he actually going to move around? And like, is he going to play defense? Like, what's his body language going to be being the third guy or is he going to try to take over? You know, who's taking the last shot at the game? That's another thing.
0: Well, his attitude, his attitude coming back, I know he was really apologetic coming back to like the fans and just the whole situation. So I think that attitude bodes well for the Nets because it it sounds almost like he's ready to get back to it, ready for the grind, ready to make this work with the team. I think it's unrealistic for as a basketball player, professional or not, to not be willing to move off the ball off screens and take wide open shots. I mean, why are you not going to take wide open shots? That's that, that sounds like juice to me as a basketball player. So I, I think that they'll, they'll make it work. I
2: mean, the thing is Kyrie, we've seen him like when he was a second option on the Cavs, you know, and he literally wanted to be out because he wanted to be the guy. And then he joined KD. I mean, again, I'm assuming that he knew he wasn't going to be the guy. But this is like, did, I don't, do we know if Kyrie Okay, this James Harden trade? That's the thing. Like, yeah, it's, is he okay with this it's
1: all about egos so the, the true test obviously these first two games are heavy on the energy of like your first two weeks at a job where you're doing everything right you're telling everybody please you're telling everybody thank you you're making sure everybody fucks with you you know you don't want to have a bad impression with any party but it's really gonna be a true test when Kyrie's in the offense they've had like a month playing together and they're all okay with their roles because like we're both saying like you both are saying right now it, it's not even about the basketball fit. It's about the ego fit. And if these guys can have an ego death, they have a chance to be like the greatest team we've ever seen outside of the Warriors of recent history. And obviously everybody's going to say recency bias, but they were amazing. I mean, they they went 73-9 and and added Kevin Durant. So this has the potential to be that good of a team when you add three guys who have either won a championship or been an MVP candidate. And it's just it's gonna be about their egos. That's that's the true test. That's that's when we'll know if this team will succeed or not.
0: So the 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 landscape is gonna be really interesting. Just seeing like where teams are. I'm really excited to see just how legit this Grizzlies team can be. Because they're gonna get Jaron Jackson back. John Morantz obviously was way ahead of schedule, is already back. Do you guys think that they're gonna be playoff contenders and squeeze in there? The West is pretty stacked. That means they're going to have to knock off some some really good teams. Can Do you guys think it could happen? I know it was the consensus that we didn't really expect much. We thought the John Morant injury was going to be a little bit worse because I know ankles aren't something that you necessarily want to mess with or hurry in a basketball, as a basketball player. But now with him back ahead of schedule, Jaron Jackson hopefully coming back soon, what do you guys think? Can they squeeze in there?
1: I think they're definitely a lock to make the plan tournament at the least – Possible 8th to 7th seed because right now one of their draft picks, Xavier Tillman Sr., he went to Michigan State. He's second at rim protecting right now. Like efficiency for opposing players going to the basket, he's number two in the league. So just little things like that where they have good rotation players. I really like DeAnthony Melton coming off their bench. Obviously, John Morant is one of the most electric players in the league. And they got another seal in the draft in Desmond Bain as someone who is an accurate three-point shooter and really good at passing the ball and just making the whole team involved. Taylor Jenkins is also an underrated coach. This is his second year with this team, and it just seems like he's got these guys playing cohesive basketball, and they're not a slouch. If you come into the game not prepared, they just beat the Suns, who we're all very high on, and it's just that was a national TV game. It was John Morant's second game back. They had no reason to be close, and they, they beat the Suns. So I think they're they're definitely a contender for the 8th seed.
2: I don't know. The Grizzlies I feel like are there's they have a solid team, but I mean, what are we really expecting from them? They're uh, they're, they're 2 years away. They need a second guy with Ja. Ja's clearly is a superstar in the making. They have a lot of role, role players right now. Jaron Jackson, it has to decide is he a, a guy or is he a role player? He likes to uh, change his mind every game. Brandon Clark is the perfect role player to have literally on any team. A 3 and D guy that could play the 3, 4, even small ball 5. He's just shot. It. He's reworked it somehow to make it worse in the offseason. I don't know if you guys have seen his shot, but it's not his consistent runner game, at bro. all. But
1: his runner is undefeated, but yeah, anytime he's trying to shoot, it's it's a sad story.
0: Yeah.
2: He was a, a solid three-point shooter last year, and he just he fell off a cliff this year just I don't know who coached him, but he's a solid player. I think this Grizzlies team could be solid and frisky, but like I, we're not, I'm not expecting anything serious from this team this year.
1: No.
0: Well, it's like one of the young up and coming teams that is always exciting to have such young players. I mean, I'm a little bit higher than you guys. I think on Jaron Jackson, I think Jaron Jackson could be a star. He he shoots well from the three. He's a big guy. He's got good post moves, good feet. So I don't think it's necessarily fair to say that it's just Shaw. Ja. I think we haven't seen Jared Jackson this year, and he had a solid year last year. But, I mean, yeah, we're kind of looking towards barely making the playoffs, but it is exciting, and that's why I kind of wanted to highlight yeah. it, especially beating the Sun- beating the Suns on MLK Day. I mean, Grayson Allen pretty much doing a hate crime by freaking beating the Suns on MLK Day. <laughs> <laughs> um,
2: yeah, dude, our, dude, this Grizzlies team... Look at the standings. There's like three teams. So we got Mavericks, Nuggets, and Pelicans all outside the playoffs. Like... I think those three teams are all gonna be pretty competitive with the Grizzlies. I mean Mavericks and Nuggets are better than the Grizzlies. They're gonna be better. It's a matter major thing the Spurs are gonna hang in. I just think Do you think the Spurs are gonna hang, in. hang into the playoffs? Do you think the Kings have a chance? Uh, I mean I think the
1: Grizzlies play good defense though. I'm with Abel. If you play good defense, you have a chance to make the playoffs. My my biggest thing is uh Jaron Jackson Jr. needs to stop fouling. He's he can't he can't finish a game, dude. If he could stop yeah. fouling so much, I'm all with you, Abel. I think they're definitely an A T contender, but the fact that he, like, fouls out or gets close to fouling out every game, that's why they don't win. So, like, if they add him and he can actually finish games, then I'd be like, yeah, they're a good team. But if he's going to foul at the rate that he's been fouling out, he's, he's not a star, which is what he was drafted to be. Wasn't he drafted, like, second overall? Yeah, fourth. I think it was fourth. Fourth overall.
0: Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, like, it's a big impression to beat the Suns. I mean, we're all really high on the Suns and what they can do. And to beat a, a healthy Suns team without Jaron Jackson out there, that's that's impressive in my end. So that's why, it, with a young, athletic team that has the pieces, not necessarily hasn't hasn't necessarily put them together. The upside is there, and I think that's why it's something to touch on, especially on a Western team where it's the opportunity cost. If they make the playoffs, guess what? That means another team's not going to make the playoffs. That means like a team like the Pelicans, a team like the the uh, Nuggets, a team like. The, not, I'm not Mavs maybe, you know, you never know. The Spurs, those are all Blazers, those are all competitive teams that if the Grizzlies make it, that does change the landscape of the playoff picture. Cause that once you get in the playoffs, once you get in a more half court game, those matchups really do matter. What you think, Brandon? I see you shaking your head over there. What's good?
2: No, they're not gonna make they're not changing anything. The Lakers are gonna beat whoever the AC is. I'm sorry. The Grizzlies, they have no chance. Yeah.
1: I'm a little bit with Brandon, only that like, it's almost in their best interest to not make the playoffs because the better draft position they have, the better they're going to be going forward. And in all honesty, they are about one to two years away from really being a competitive team. So I'd say, hey, just keep playing hard, you know, get those wins, maybe get some playoff experience. But the, the worse they are, the better off they'll be because this is going to be another good draft and the better player they can add, like we're all saying. I mean, Jaron Jackson is good, but... They need someone to match Jaws' star power, and this draft could be their best bet to add that player.
2: I mean, so let's get crazy. Jaron Jackson, three first-round picks. Dylan Brooks. Dylan
0: Brooks. Dylan Brooks, Jaron Jackson, three first-round picks. Bradley Beal. That
2: would be fucking cool.
1: Would you take that if you're the Wizards? I, I would say the Wizards should not take that only because Bradley Beal is so damn good. Like, you can't. You need a better player. But then. what are they doing with Bradley Beal?
2: Jaron Jackson and three first-round picks. Jaron Jackson is as good as you're going to get as far think as like so? a young, promising player. And D- Dylan Brooks is a solid player. Yeah. That, that's, I think that, that's close to the shade, Gallo, and draft capital that you're going to get, you know, that, that I think, kind of package.
1: I think just shade being a perimeter threat makes him more valuable than Jaron Jackson. So that's why I, I would say he as good as Jaron Jackson is, he's not... You don't build a trade package around him. He needs to have one season where we're like, damn, this dude's a borderline all-star. Or he's like second team, third team All-NBA. Like he hasn't had that yet. So until he has that. Yeah. Well, he's,
0: well, the thing is you're getting two young guys, though, compared to Gallo, you know, where it, Gallo was just a regular chip. You know, this is essentially like a two, two young guys. Dylan Brooks could be a 20-plus a a game scorer. If he really needs to be, if he's like one of the only guys on the team, if if he's on the Wizards team, he's gonna score over twenty. points. if if that trade happens. That's a pretty happens.
1: bad team, is all I'm saying. Like if if Dylan Brooks is your high leading scorer, like I don't know, man.
2: That's the part of the Wizards thinking is that Bradley Beal is give, winning them games, so he yeah. might they might as well just might take, as well be, be bad. a bad team. And then when you get that that so you're getting draft picks, but that that that, t- that year that you're bad, you're getting an, a high draft pick. So that draft pick. Even though you're not getting it from the team, it's still part of the trade because you're gonna be bad, so you're gonna get a high draft pick, unless you're just trying to be competitive. But
1: I would you might say as well trade badly
2: be on bottom out.
1: If I'm the Wizards, I want I want Jaron Jackson Jr. and I want the Gonzaga kid, Brandon Clark. Those are the two that I those are the two assets that I would want. Because Dylan Brooks is good, but he I don't know, man. He to me is like a good stats bad team guy where like if he's if he's putting up numbers for your team. I don't know that you're going to win. Like there's been nights when Dylan Brooks has like 35 points and like the Grizzlies lose by like 10 or 15. So it's like like he's good. He can definitely score. He can definitely be an asset on a team, but he's not. I, I don't know that he's someone that I would center a trade package around. And Jaron Jackson Jr. Well, isn't good enough. He
2: wouldn't. He, yeah, Jaron Jackson. And- but
1: Jaron Jackson isn't good enough to center a trade package around either. So it's like you're putting together two like average assets in my opinion. And that's a harsh criticism on Jaron Jackson, but he just hasn't shown it yet for me to think that he's a star.
0: I mean another. I mean another team that should probably that might be looking for a trade is the Nuggets. Would you rather package Michael Porter, let's say like Michael Porter, Gary Harris, and three first round picks for Bradley Beal? Is that is that a trade that you'd rather have here? The Wizards. I think that makes
2: more sense. They didn't want to do that trade for James Harden. They're like, why would they do that for Bradley Beal? Like the Nuggets are just they don't take chances. It they're seems stingy. like they're content. Yeah. But I would I would 100% include Michael Porter. I mean you can't close a playoff game with Michael Porter. Like, he's literally not going to be on the floor right now unless he gets better on defense. So, like, he's really going to give you, like... Like, he's a cool, shiny piece right now in the regular season, but he's really not going to give you any value or production in the playoffs. So, if you're really going for it, I just don't know if they have, like if they think they are a championship team right now, given their record, but I would definitely trade Michael Porter and draft picks from Bradley Beal. If you think you Jokic, Bradley Beal, and Jamal Murray have a chance. Because Jamal Murray has... I, I've been saying this. I think he was clearly like he's closer to who he is now than he was who he was in the bubble. People thought he was in, ready to take that leap. I thought that was clearly. I mean, we had to see it in the regular season, and we're just not seeing it. He's just so inconsistent on a daily basis.
0: Yeah, definitely. But that's why you want Bradley Beal to you know kind of offset that a little bit because it's such a big drastic difference between Jokic handling the offense and Jamal Murray handling the offense in terms of their scheme and spacing. You know, with, with Jamal Murray, it's a little more of an iso game, a little more spread out on the perimeter and keeping the lanes open. Whereas Jokic, you just have Jokic at the top of the key or in, in a post and there's mad movement around. There's not as much movement around when, the, when Jamal Murray's handling the ball. But Bradley Beal will be able to offset that because, you know, that's kind of the in-between between those two drastic offensive schemes.
2: And he plays defense.
0: I think realistic, yeah. and, and Bradley Beal's, a good defender, you know, so you're getting, you're getting a two for one. I think that's a, that's a trade that they should, I mean, cause essentially you're getting Gary Harris's defense, Michael Porter's offense and a star. And then obviously the star power comes with the, with the throwing some first round picks in there.
2: I mean, I think Bo Bo is honestly like an asset too. like you throw Bo Bo and Michael Porter jr. And some draft picks. Like that's something that like teams like the wizards are going to be interested in. I think.
1: Yeah. I think the nuggets should want to keep Gary Harris, even if a shot isn't falling. If you trade away him and Michael Porter Jr., then your your small forward position on um, to guard the other teams is Will Barton. And good luck with that, man. You're not going to win many playoff series if Will Barton's your starting small forward. As much as I like Will Barton, he's – a great spark plug guy he definitely puts up points but you
2: think harris is gonna actually guard small forward so
1: he but i mean that's what i'm saying it's like you're they're the worst setup in terms of guarding the small forward position and if you're trading away two of your bad best options to guard small forward then you're going to your third worst option to guard like you're literally just completely giving up on defense and like if that's what they want to do that's what they want to do they could be an amazing offense if they add bradley Beal to the system but you're definitely just completely punting on defense. And as we've seen, like, you, I don't, I can't recall a good team that was all offense and no defense that won a championship. And at Jokic's point of his career, you know that's all he cares about. Like, if he might be a loyalty guy, but if they don't win these next two or three years, he's going to start thinking, like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm not winning anything. So the, they're on the clock. And so they would have to really just – Mike Malone in the front office would have to really just say, like, We're just gonna give up on defense and we're gonna go all in on offense. And maybe it'll work. I just I'm of the opinion that it's it's a losing battle.
2: I just don't know what the alternative is. You just ride it out with Murray and Jokic and just get knocked down the second round every year for the next few years. Like I know. There's just like what do you do? There's no there's no way up from this team unless Michael Porter turns into like a star.
1: I think that's what they have to hope. It's it's definitely a long shot, but that's what they have to hope because the alternatives are. You just... I don't know. I don't know. I I need someone a little bit better on defense than Bradley Beal. Because Bradley Beal is obviously elite offensively, but... I
2: think he's a solid defender. He just hasn't had to defend because he has nothing to play for in Washington. No,
1: and I'm not even saying that, too. Like, I, I would agree he is a solid defender, but he's not guarding small forwards is all I'm saying.
2: I mean, I don't think Gary Harris or Will Barton is, so it's not like you're really, and like especially Michael Porter. So that's why it's they're, like you're not, like not losing they, anything. As, they
1: have a chance. like They have the smallest chance in the world at guarding a small forward, whereas with Will Barton, you have no chance, dude. He's getting cooked every position.
0: Yeah, that's true. Will Barton's not stopping anyone. For sure. Yeah, but I mean, to keep going with games that, uh, on MLK Day that were, left impressions on all of us, the Warriors being the Lakers, I mean, I think it's pretty unanimous how high we are on the Lakers. I think if we had a power rankings, they'd be number one. How, I mean, how crazy was it that they won? Uh, are the Warriors back? You can never count out Steph and, now in, and Draymond Green in terms of defensively, and then adding James Wiseman. James Wiseman had a pretty bad game yesterday, and they still came out with the W. So another team, I mean, we're harping on the West just because the West is so competitive this year, but... Can the Warriors make a deep playoff run? Not necessarily make it to the uh, to the finals, but contest to make it to a conference finals. Are the Warriors legit? I don't know. What do you guys think?
2: So like the first quarter basically ended with Steph inbounding the ball, an inbound play where Steph was the inbounder. He passed it in and gets it right back and shoots like a buzzer-beating three-pointer, and like that. Just, and they were down like 15 at the time, but like you could tell it set the tone that like they're still they were still playing. And I think this that just shows that they have fight, that they were down like 20 points and were still able to win. I mean, the Lakers, you know, they're going to lose some tough games. But I think, I mean, we really counted the Warriors out after their first really bad losses. But Draymond Green really makes a difference. He makes everybody on the floor better. He it makes the offense better by being the primary ball handler, making the right decisions. He makes everybody everybody better on defense, even when he's not even on the floor. Seeing him just mic'd up last night, you seen him talking to everybody. Like he was, you know, coaching. He's an extra coach out there. So I think without Clay, it's hard to really, you know, put them in that upper echelon of contenders. But I mean, they're going to be a solid team. And I think they're going to be a tough out when it comes to playoffs if Steph could keep this up. It's just going to be a matter of teams just triple teaming Steph and hoping Kelly Oubre and Wiggins can't beat you.
1: Yeah, I would agree with Brandon. I think getting Draymond Green back was really the piece that allows them to be competitive because. He is, without a doubt, the Tim Duncan to Steve Kerr's Popovich. He's he's a secondary coach out there, like Brandon said, when guys are making the wrong reads, when guys are not rotating on defense. Draymond has that authority to get in their face, maybe even cuss them out, say things that any other player they would probably ignore and just move on with the game. But if you get it from Draymond, you're going to take it seriously and you're going to realize that he cares about this shit so much that... If he thinks it's this serious, you got to take it serious too. Otherwise, you don't fit the Warriors' culture. So, having him back it makes them, at minimum, uh, a, a six to four seed. But to think that they could win a championship without the floor spacing that Clay Thompson and the defense that Clay Thompson provides, it's a stretch, man. So they're going to be they're going to be as competitive as they can be as long as they have Draymond and Steph healthy. But I do not see them as a team that can win the championship. They need Klay. They need one more piece, and they can't trade anybody on this roster to upgrade at this point. If they did, they would be just cutting out any depth that they have because they already have at least two or three G-leaguers in their rotation. So I struggle to consider them as a team that can beat the Lakers. Maybe they can meet them in the finals, though, especially if Steph Curry goes supernova, as he's wont to do. He's, he's the best scorer I've ever seen outside of James Harden, and he's they're, they're always going to be a competitive team with those two guys playing at a high level.
2: There is one person they could trade. Who's that? I mean, Klay Thompson just sitting there on the bench.
1: <laughs> You're heartless, bro. That's... Yeah,
2: dude, you just want to trade all these injured players, man. All right. I, I mean, I'm heartless, but I'm realistic. What is it? You're wasting two years of Steph's prime here. After last year and now li- this year. Like we said, they're gonna be competitive. They're gonna be a, a com- like a good team, but there's just no chance of winning a championship with Klay Thompson just thirty million plus just sitting on the bench like I'm, I'm not sure what you can get with clay for clay with you know at coming off of two season ending injuries two very tough injuries we haven't seen him play but at the same time i'm sure there's a market for him like again i don't know what you can get i don't know how much better it would make your team maybe they would rather just keep clay and hope they can make a run next year but the clock's ticking for sure Steph's about to be 32 clay's getting up there like and again, who knows if Clay's going to even be 100% next year? Then that could be another year which turns into 3 years of lost prime, which again, maybe this team accepted that. They had a good run and they're just, you know, just going to keep the loyalty going with their guys. And you know, they're going to sell tickets regardless with these guys here. So I, you know, if they want to keep the fans happy, they're going to just play tough and keep going. If they want to win a championship, I uh, you I think you have to consider a Clay Thompson trade.
0: Yeah, I mean, they just have so much control of Clay Thompson. And he's not even like on such a fat. He's on a semi-fat contract, so I'm not. I'm not with you on trading Clay Thompson. I feel like you know he's a generational talent with his offensive defense. That's and not there I right now. I think right though. now it's just. Yeah, but I mean, this year you got to temper your expectations. Take it as a progression year. Finding some diamonds in the rough, like Damian Lee, who's playing really well for them. Pascal is playing really well for them. Finding those diamonds in the rough, and. Developing Wiseman, like you guys said, I think one of the biggest things with Draymond Green being back is, like Joe said, the accountability. I mean, being mic'd up, you could tell he was breaking down with James Wiseman on what he was doing, coaching him on the court, and also someone like Kelly Oubre that's been jumping around. I feel like no one has really held Kelly Oubre accountable, and Draymond is someone that can hold him accountable, hold a young James Wiseman accountable, really expedite his development so I think this year they're going to be competitive. They're probably they're going to make the playoffs. They're going to be exciting. Steph being on the court is always exciting. You never can count them out. We saw that we saw that on Monday. So take it for what it is this year. Get Clay back and healthy. Develop this team, and you have so much control over your offense. Steph is the only one with with a, a contract that's expiring relatively soon from the core. And I mean. Steph seems like the kind of guy that if he really has to, to stay competitive on a competitive team, make them win championships, you might take a pay cut. So I think it's taking it as a learner and developing what you have. And when they make the playoffs, teach those young guys like Wiseman to go against some of the premier bigs and make them into an Embiid-level talent down the road. Because if they may, if they develop them into an elite-level center, Keeping Draymond, who's under control for a while, extending Steph and Clay, it's not too crazy to say that they could be a powerhouse by 2022, and they're all under contract. But and then Wiggins, that's that's Wiggins' final year. So if you really want to by 2022, flip Wiggins, because F- Wiggins is probably the one that doesn't fit the scheme that well and flip them for more of a shooter.
2: You're looking at 34-year-old Steph and 34-year-old Klay Thompson, 34-year-old Draymond Green being a powerhouse in 2022.
1: All I would say is when you have elite shooters, that's something that lasts long. That's something that translates further on into their career. So especially with Klay Thompson, obviously those two injuries are serious. That's not something that you could just check off and say, yeah, he's going to rehab and be 100%. But what Klay Thompson does does not involve a ton of cutting, does not involve a cut of a bunch of breaking a man down in isolation. So he could theoretically still recover from these injuries and be the same player. I'm not 100% saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying their two games will translate. Draymond is definitely someone to think about. And to speak to Abel's point on James Wiseman, I mean, they drafted him fully with the intention of being a foil for Anthony Davis. So if you give him two years of experience and playing against the best centers in the league, Maybe he will be ready by the time Klay Thompson is back to 100%. And who knows who they can add as their contracts get freed up once Kelly Oubre is off their books and Wiggins is maybe off their books or traded. So I don't know. I just think to try to rush into it this year would definitely be – it would be accelerating a timeline that at this point they might as well just wait for Clay to come back. You're going to keep the fan base happy. You're going to keep your two stars happy because I know they're loyalty guys. I know that was why they had so much problems with Kevin Durant. He did not – see the family agenda that they had going and to trade someone like clay thompson who's been there from the beginning you really are risking a lot in terms of your locker room in terms of your core guys wanting to buy in and give up as much as they do for this team
2: you're just there's a lot of maybes and like let's hope and like who knows like i'm telling if you trade clay thompson for a good player you know you're competitive right now and it's all about like what control what you can control there's no there's no
1: who who? all right all right all right all right. tell me tell me who they're trading tell me who they're trading for clay thompson that's making them beat the war beat beat the lakers this year because i don't think anybody that could trade for clay thompson is going to allow them to beat the lakers this year
2: i mean that's we don't know we don't know what the trade market is
1: I, I thought they, they should have... The Lakers are dominant. Uh, I thought you were going to say Bradley Beal. I thought you were going to say Bradley Beal. That's the only time. That's the only <laughs> scenario where I'm like, all right, you have a chance.
2: I mean, Clay Thompson and a couple firsts for Bradley Beal. I don't know. I don't think the Wizards do that. But again, that that gives them a chance to bottom out, get a high draft pick this year, plus future draft picks. I mean, th- th- I think they should have made a real run at Harden. Like, you, you throw in Klay Thompson, Wiseman, and a few draft picks, they become... A legit contender for Harden. It didn't seem like they were really interested in that. I mean, there might not be another option at this point, but I would just look into it at this point. Because, I mean, it. There's no, like, what are, what are you going to get from Clay next year?
1: Dude, he's only 30. He's only going to be 31. Clay's a good player. Clay is a good player and he's only 31.
2: Yeah, coming off a torn Achilles and a torn ACL. Like, he's not going to be the same player. He's not going to be the same defender. He's not going to be, a, the, the. there's no way we'll, we can know he'll be the same defender.
1: That's a problem. So you're right about that.
0: But the thing is, their scheme, their scheme isn't necessarily ISO defending, you know? He just is able to stick on guys. I'm I mean, just saying.
2: All right, you look at all right. Look at the Nets. All right, they 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 got Katie and Kyrie, and do you think the Kyrie situation affected them going for James Harden? Was that insurance for Kyrie, or was it they were going to get Harden regardless? Uh,
1: I think it was.
0: Yes, I think it was. I mean, I think it, it made it made it more straightforward. It made it more straightforward. I, I I'm pretty sure they already before the season. Before they a hundred percent, why him.
2: But that I think that yeah, we're already looking into him. I think that helped the fact that James Harden like. Like, you don't like what if James Harden was calculated? He knew that the Nets didn't have Kyrie for a week and decided to have his rant at the press conference after the game, at though, the, conveniently at the time that the Nets don't have Kyrie. And maybe the, he knew the Nets might be desperate. I'm just saying the Nets were all in. I'm, the Warriors, like I said, the Warriors haven't won a championship, so maybe they're just, they don't care. They're like, you guys are saying they're just going to ride it out, develop their guys. I just think a team that's used to winning championships. When you have a chance to win a championship, like this, this team is competitive. This team is good. I think they're they're like they have a few moves to make to be really good. I mean, I don't know. It it like it is tough to the fans to say goodbye to Clay, but again, it's just it's up to you if they think that they're going to be competitive next year or going forward with the, with these guys.
0: Well, like Joe was saying, I mean, they don't play. Steph and Clay don't play a tough game. Like look at LeBron. Obviously, phenom, unprecedented talent, unprecedented athletic ability. But he's 36. He played a way tougher style of. He played a way tougher style than Clay and Steph, and his body's still making it work with mo- modern medicine, massages, Chris Paul diet, as well. and all that stuff. There's no reason. Yeah, Chris Paul as well. There's no reason to believe that Steph Curry won't be a great shooter. Clay Thompson won't be a great shooter. Their scheme of working off screens, and then you add Wiseman, who can just space the floor, can t- make his own shot. It's just going to develop into being better. Draymond is probably the biggest question mark. But when you have – I mean, James Wiseman essentially replaces Draymond in terms of the big three. And it's such a big upgrade in terms of the offensive ability, and it's turning into an offensive game in the NBA. Just look at the Nets. So I don't think it's unrealistic to next year and definitely 2022. The biggest question mark, I guess, is Klay Thompson coming off the injuries but injuries aren't necessarily what they used to be.
2: People come back and are. sick. But two of them back to back, though.
1: I just think what happened to Clay was a freak accident, and it definitely played a part that he was in four consecutive finals, every playoff game. He was an Iron Man, so like it could just just been a freak injury. And if he takes his rehab serious again, and he comes back out,
2: it, it could have been a freak injury. I'm just saying, like, there's just two tough injuries. There's just they're, we just don't know. It's a complete unknown, is my it point. It is an unknown, and like. Yeah, definitely. So it's just a matter of if the Warriors front office thinks he's going to return to full force, then uh, then they're going to be like, yeah, let's just ride it out. I just don't know. I think you have to look at a little, this a little bit more realistically and think like, is Clay going to be the same player? Is Draymond by the time Clay's ready to go, where's Draymond going to be at, at, in his career? And, like, is this team going to be the same team? And, like, I mean, we'll see. Like, if they, if Clay comes back ready to go next year, they are going to be a favorite. It's just a matter of, is he going to play good defense? And is he going to be the same offensive player? And Kelly Oubre and Wiggins are just so wild cards that every game, they're just a completely different player. Sometimes they could take over a quarter. Sometimes they literally just go 0 for 9 from three or something. Like, you really don't know what you're getting from them.
0: Yeah. That's, that's been their whole career. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Kelly Oubre is just, Kelly Oubre is just running the career off pretty boy swag at this point, blowing kisses and stuff. Yeah. So it's a lot of what ifs. I feel like if you're the front office, you have to assume that Klay is going to come back healthy. You never want to assume that someone's not going to come back healthy. And there's also might be a different level of preparation coming off back to back injuries compared to just coming off that one injury. Who knows, you know, his uh, his conditioning and workouts and physical therapy might have been a little more intense since it was just the first injury, he's known as an Iron Man. They but now it's back to back and they might take his time. He might not even play next year until like the middle of the season or something like that. So that's also to take into account that they might be be tentative to bring him back.
2: Which just tells me that like next year is going to be looked at as a lost year again, which is tell- like three years in a row. It's just really tough.
1: No, I, if they make the playoffs and Klay Thompson is healthy and he has enough time to play like two months of basketball, that's not a lost season. Because the playing tournament adds this a completely yeah, no. new angle. So I, I would push back. I'm just with Abel. I mean, full disclosure, Klay Thompson is just the most fun dude in the league to watch. And so to imagine him on a different team, somewhere where he wouldn't be happy potentially is just like – I don't want that, dude. As a fan, fuck that, man. I want him to stay with the Warriors. I want him to stay with Steph Curry. I I,
0: I was going to say, I think it's pretty clear we're all pretty passionate about the Warriors just because we've been spoiled with how good they've been. We've been spoiled with Steph and Clay's such beautiful basketball that they've played. So let's be hopeful and hopefully they can make it work. And it, let's just be excited that Steph's going to be healthy this year because that's something that we didn't get the luxury of last year. And close it out on that close it out on some happy vibes so that's a wrap i mean good stuff guys exciting stuff from mlk day and i'm excited to just see where it goes i mean a lot of a lot of questions going into the end of the season or going into the season that have slowly been getting answered but with all the stuff that's happening we're just getting more and more questions i'll catch you guys on the next one
1: peace everybody